Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Colors Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. And the Michael Schwartz era begins with a victory. The Pirates come from behind, erase a 16-point first half deficit. They defeat Mercer 77-75 on Tuesday night inside Minji's Coliseum. Just wanted to bring you a quick podcast, give some of my initial takeaways, initial thoughts from ECU's big victory to begin the Schwartz era. A lot of heroes... Some unexpected, some perhaps expected. I'll give you some takeaways. Things to look forward going into Saturday's game against Presbyterian and a whole lot more. But just good to see the guys, first off, pull out a big victory because this is such a young and inexperienced team. This is such a learning, growing process for this bunch where it's going to be a a year-long, really multi-year process, I think, to get this, this program to where Coach Schwartz wants it, but this is a very positive first step. Things look bleak, obviously, at one point in the first half. Mercer is a pretty experienced team, has a couple of seniors that have played a lot of basketball, a couple good transfers they added. They had a 7-2 freshman, David Craig, who was causing some some major issues in the paint, and uh, ECU had to deal with that. So I think this Mercer team really... Is going to be a quality club throughout the year. Wouldn't be surprised at all if they compete uh, for a, a conference title or at least push for the top of the SOCON as time goes on. But ECU finds a way to gut it out. Mercer was actually favored by a point and a half, according to Vegas, heading into the ball game. But it marks ECU's 23rd consecutive season opening win, which is a bit of a surprise considering ECU's basketball history. But the difference is ECU historically opens with Arguably, its worst opponent on the schedule, basically a cupcake game. This was no cupcake. This was no easy landing for Mike Schwartz. So that's why you got to give this coaching staff, these players, a lot of credit for continuing to fight even after they got down early in the contest and finding a way to win. It wasn't pretty in several regards, uh, but they found a way to win in the end, start the year 1-0. Heading into the Presbyterian game on Saturday. My big takeaway, and I wrote it, in my gamer for hoistacolors.net. You know, there was so much attention on new regime, the newcomers, the transfers, and some of the freshmen. But you look at the box score and you look at the game, the guys who led the way for ECU were the guys who chose to return. And 
I want to first, obviously, you got to credit Joe Dooley for clearly having an eye for talent. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about when Javon Small chose to return. There were some people in Hoist of Colors that were like, you know, why should we expect anything from Javon Small based on what we saw last year? Is Brandon Johnson ever going to be able to develop into a guy who can score the basketball more so than just rebound? Is R.J. Felton going to become an offensive threat? Well, all three of those guys answered last night that they can. Javon Small, 37 minutes, 8 of 14 from the floor. Played a phenomenal second half, 23 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. Uh, In command of the game, was beating Mercer off the dribble. They tried multiple guys on him to guard and really couldn't stay in front of him. Uh, the pick-and-pop game with him and Brandon Johnson was was excellent. Certainly, there were some turnovers that they're going to want to correct, but you know that comes with the territory. This is the most minutes probably either of them has played. Uh, certainly, Javon Small and, and then with Brandon Johnson scoring a career high as well. 24 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, and a block. And he matches his three-point total from last season in one game as he hits three of six from beyond the arc. Hit the first two threes of the game for East Carolina. R.J. Felton, 29 minutes, four of ten from the floor, four rebounds, an assist, four steals, a block, and 11 points. Those were the three Pirates in double figures. And, again, all these guys could have left. They could have decided, hey, my head coach got fired. I don't want to be here anymore. I remember going out to a workout in early April. Coach Schwartz invited me out to come watch some of the returners, uh, Luigi DeBow, Brandon Johnson, Small, Felton, Winston Tabs was there watching, uh, Dave Kasang and I, and there were a couple other guys <clears throat> at that point that were still with the program. And look, it wasn't pretty, but you noticed – the quick buy-in from Javon, the quick buy-in from RJ. You know, I think Brandon at that point was flashing talent, but there was a major challenge going on from the new staff, and they basically challenged Brandon, hey, you've got a chance to be a really good player here. We need you to expand your offensive game. We need you to be that stretch four, that stretch five, that when we go small and we put you in the front court, we need a guy who can step out and shoot the three. And based on the season opener, he has found a way to expand his game. He he made some moves off the bounce as well, got into the lane and uh, finished in the lane. So just really can't say enough about the improvement uh, from from Brandon Johnson and Javon Small. R.J. Felton more in control. Uh, I thought zero turnovers last night. Turnovers were a problem for him last year at times. So all three of those guys, again, the returners, stepped up big. As they combine, let me do some quick math here. Yeah, 47, 58 of the 77 points scored by East Carolina. So, huge night for the returners, and uh, hopefully they can continue that. Obviously, you're not going to get 20-plus a night from from BJ and Small, but certainly a step in the right direction. <clears throat> the other two guys who were in the starting lineup for ECU, along with those three, was Quentin DeBunje and Saxby Sunderland. Uh, Saxby did not attempt a shot. Did have two rebounds, uh, did commit two fouls. Dabunje played 11 minutes, uh, only attempted one shot from the floor, a three-pointer that he missed, but then he did score the two biggest points, or two of the biggest points of the night with 14 seconds remaining, came off the bench when RJ started cramping, got fouled. ECU was up one, 
in a pressure spot. He, he went to the line and sunk both free throws. So that was a huge moment for him. And again, a lot of these guys have talent. It's going to take time for them to gel, to find themselves. I thought we saw a number of guys last night that didn't really look comfortable on the floor. Uh, Dabunje was one of those for me. Uh, Benjamin Baela, defensively, I thought he looked comfortable, looked good. Uh, 22 minutes, five big rebounds. Uh, he, he was also good defensively, boxed out well, grabbed a couple of offensive boards. Only looked to shoot. I uh, didn't really look to shoot at all, honestly. He shot one shot from the corner off a pass, missed it. Uh, so for me, you know, Baela and Dabunje, given their recruitments, given their talent level, how much they've scored in the past, whether it be Juco with Baela or uh, the prep level with Dabunje or over in France, I think both these guys are going to continue to develop their offensive games as they get more comfortable. The good news is, even if they're not scoring right now, they've got the size and length to affect teams defensively, and they can rebound. So obviously, at worst, they're going to be quality role players early on, and I think they can each become threats, especially from the three-point line with Quentin. And uh, Baela used to shoot it pretty well at Juco as well. Caleb LeCount, the freshman, I thought for a new guy, he looked pretty composed. You know, he did turn the ball over three times, um, but hit a couple of threes, had a had one or two that were in and out, had good shot selection for the most part, looked composed, and there were a few times he drove in, either got his shot blocked or kind of ran in some trees, but that's going to happen. He's just got to get more reps. But 20 minutes for the freshman, I thought he looked solid and will continue to grow. Jaden Walker, the transfer from Iowa State, was probably – to me, the most comfortable of the three big transfers, counting Dabunje and Baela. Uh, I just thought he played a really solid game. Only committed one turnover, had two assists, three boards, looked good defensively, scored seven points. You know, missed two big free throws at the end, could have put the game on ice, so that's something he'll want to work on. But uh, I thought we saw some good things over him for over 23 minutes. And, you know, the, <clears throat> the other big storyline was wh whether or not Winston Tabbs was going to play the Boston College transfer who had not played since January of 2020 due to uh, the knee injury that he's uh, recovered from over time, and he's had surgery on both knees now. And, you know, di didn't look completely comfortable. Played in the first half, got eight minutes, was not shy about shooting the rock. Uh, hoisted five shots, 0 for 3 from three-point range. Really wasn't too close on a number of his shots. You could tell there was just some rust there, but I did like that he was not shy about taking those opportunities. You know, you come off the injury, you don't want to go out there and play too timid. And I thought he took the ball and he tried to run with it. Uh, it's just going to take time for Whistling to get his win back. We're talking about a guy who was just cleared for contact for full basketball just a couple of weeks ago. He goes eight minutes, one or five from the field, got the runner to go for his first points. In nearly two years. So good to see Winston uh, find a way into the stat sheets with his bucket. And I think we'll just continue to see him improve throughout the year. Uh, Ezra Osar, the freshman, highly recruited freshman from Liberty Heights. He played only two minutes but did come in. Got the big rebound to close the game off the Mercer miss. Uh, at the end of the contest, Dave Kasanganai, the walk-on former Navy transfer, he played a minute as well. So ECU played 12 players a ton of guys in the first half was a little bit more of a you know steady <clears throat> steady group in the second half as ECU tried to to whittle the, the lead down come back and win the basketball game but 
there will be so much to grow from as a result of this game and playing so many guys, getting so many guys reps, experience. This is going to be a continual process, I think, throughout non-conference play as Coach Schwartz really figures out what he has, figures out the best lineups from game to game. But, uh, you know, I, I was impressed. I was impressed in, in several regards by um, certainly the returners and just, you know, kind of the, the overall pace and energy the team played with. And I think a lot of these guys will continue to get better as uh, as the games move on. I still think we're going to see more more scoring from guys like Dabunje from LeCount, Baela. I think Ezra Osar, if he continues to mature, will eventually be a guy who can uh, score the basketball, rebound the basketball, and make things happen. And I think Winston Tabs is also going to improve. So I think this is really just scratching the surface for this basketball team, but it's a 1-0 start, and you'll take it all day, uh, especially since the Pirates entered the game as an underdog. All right, let's take a quick break on the other side. I'll share a couple more thoughts from the Pirates' opening night win. We'll be right back on the Hoisted Colors podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back into the Hoist the Colors podcast. We're recapping ECU's 77-75 win over the Mercer Bears, I want to give a shout out to the fans who were in attendance. 4,610 fans. It doesn't it doesn't take much to get Minji's buzzing. And last night there was a buzz in the arena. Man, there is nothing like walking into Minji's Coliseum, hearing the pep band playing, seeing the familiar faces, strolling up the aisles at, at, at Williams Arena, Minji's Coliseum, feeling the buzz, seeing the place fill in. Hearing Morgan Aylers on the PA, all the great traditions that make basketball what it is, and, and people can say what they want about ECU basketball and the lack of tradition, whatever, the lack of true fans, but the, the, the fans who always show up, they know what a special place Minji's Coliseum can be. Last night with the student turnout being what it was, it was pretty electric for a non-conference game in November against the Mercer Bears, so just imagine... And I've said it many times, I'll continue to say it. If ECU can get a somewhat consistent winning basketball program, uh, this this has a chance to be a very special place. A very It's a very tough place to play. And I kept saying, even through the first half, the Pirates just had to find a way to stay in the game, put some pressure on Mercer, get the crowd into it, and I felt eventually they would find a way to win. Um, give Mercer credit. They made some some great plays. At the beginning of the game, they were making some contested shots. I think they got ECU a little discouraged, ECU a little out of its game. 
young team, new staff, new plan, trying to execute it. When it's not going well, you, you maybe revert back to some of the things that don't work so well. We saw that. That led to the 16-point deficit. But the, the spurt before halftime, ECU down 15. All of a sudden, you get the Javon Small one-handed dunk. R.J. Felton rips the ball away. He steals it. He dunks it. Places going bananas. You get another steal. A couple of open threes. <laughs> you had the classic, huh? Ah, let down when the threes didn't go down, but uh, the Pirates ended up getting it off the inbounds, and Javon Small scored right at the first half buzzer. 6-0 run just to end the first half, and all of a sudden, instead of it being 39-24 at halftime, it was 39-30. You have momentum. You felt like DC was right in it. Talked to a few fans, a few of our subscribers at halftime. We were all saying, hey, stay in it, hit a few shots, and you're going to make this a game. It turns out Pirates opened the second half doing just that. I think Javon Small scored the first six points of the second half. That cut it uh, to a three-point game, and then the game was on from there. <clears throat> number of big shots in the second half. Javon Small hit a big one. <clears throat> I remember another one from Jaden Walker as the shot clock w- was winding down. He kind of hoisted up a, a prayer. It went in for a big three-pointer that kept ECU right in it. That was a big momentum swing. Uh, and then again, so, some big plays down the stretch. Certainly things ECU could have done to make it a little easier on themselves. But uh, I thought the defense was much better in the second half. The, you know, Mercer shot 60% in the first half. Still got over 40% in the second half. 42%, 13 of 31. But they hit a number of contested shots. You know, it's it's less about measuring the field goal percentage. You know, certainly the averages will play out over time for the most part. But to me, I'm looking more at, hey, how many easy buckets do they get? How many point-blank layups? How many open threes do they get? And there were a couple of breakdowns that that I'm sure Coach Schwartz is not going to be happy with. There was one where ECU hit a big shot, and then Mercer came back down the other way, got an easy pass and layup to McCreary in the lane, uh, the, the South Florida transfer, former South Carolina Gamecock. And that one, if you're a defensive coach, like Mike Schwartz, you got all the momentum, you got a chance to put the clamps down. Like that's a learning moment you're going to hone in on saying, hey guys, we, we, you know, we got momentum. We can't lax up on defense. But a lot of learning learning moments from this game for a, for a young team, and that'll be one of many. Um, also, the, the missed free throws at the end. There was also a little bit of a, un, I don't want to say carelessness, but definitely lack of true security with the ball. Right before the Dabunje free throws, they were kind of throwing it around a little bit and want to be a little bit more secure with the ball there. Don't put it in harm's way. So, But these things are, are they're not easy to correct, but they're easier to correct after a win rather than a loss. And um, Good to see ECU find a way to win in the end. And again, said it earlier, but I really think this is going to end up being a quality win. I think Mercer, of these three games to open the season at home, this was probably your toughest opponent. Uh, not that any game is going to be easy for this team with as young and, and as much as they have to grow, but Presbyterian on Saturday, Hampton next Wednesday before you head out to the Gulf Coast Showcase. You should be a favorite in both of those games, and you have a chance to go 3-0 and uh, to begin the, the Schwartz era at home. So should be a solid crowd on Saturday. Good, good tip-off time, 4 o'clock. Not the most glamorous opponent, but um, if you can continue to get 4,000-plus in the building, 
continue to get that student turnout, it's going to be a very fun place to play, um, especially when we get the conference play starting in late December uh, as Tulsa rolls into town. And, um, you know, obviously the students will be out of town initially, but that's that's really when Menjis gets buzzing when you get some of the big conference teams in uh, over time. So it'll be interesting to see how the rotation changes on Saturday. I think we only saw two scholarship guys not get into the game, Elijah Jones and Valentino Pinedo, two forwards, two freshman forward. Um, and again, you can't realistically play all 13 scholarship guys every game, especially in a competitive game like this. And So uh, we'll see. And Mercer was a pretty small team outside of, of Craig, the, the gigantic seven-footer. But a lot of good things to take away from this game. And it was just good to see the guys – play I mean there were so many uncertainties heading into this contest finally we have something to talk about we have a starting lineup to digest uh, we've got actual plays uh, we, we know what the new uniforms look like and man do they look sweet the pirate script the gold pirate script um, another interesting thing will be to see if they keep it going do they wear the gold at home all the time or do they mix it up and go white every now and then? We'll find out Saturday when they play Presbyterian. But I thought the gold looked sweet. I thought the pullovers, the white pullovers Coach Schwartz's staff had with the, you know, the the gray khaki type pants. Uh, that I thought those looked good. So it was just a it was a great night inside Minji's Coliseum, and it ended with a uh, pretty dramatic East Carolina 77-75 victory over Mercer. So the Schwartz era begins with a one and zero start. 23rd consecutive season opening win for ECU men's basketball. All right, that'll do it for this podcast. Again, just wanted to share some initial takes. Recording another podcast later on today where we make our final Cincinnati preview. I've got a guest joining me for that. We make our predictions and give our final take on the Bearcats as we get closer to Friday's big kickoff in Cincinnati. But we'll have more for you on then. Until then, hope you enjoyed the basketball discussion. And thank you guys for listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.